Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome, thanks for joining me today. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just take all your distracting thoughts and put them somewhere else? I mean, imagine how productive you'd be. Well, it may sound good, but believe me, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, as we're going to see. I'm also going to talk about how to stand up for your team and share the ultimate secret to accomplishing even your wildest dreams. All of this as we start the third episode of the sixth season of The Next Generation, Man of the People. The Enterprise is called in to help a transport. There's a negotiator, a mediator on board named Alcar, that's brokering peace talks between two warring factions on the planet Recag Seronia. The ship, the ship's in rough shape. They beam the mediator and my mother over so they can get him taken care of quickly. Troy, the counselor on the ship, meets him in the transporter room and is going to take Alcar to Picard. The mom freaks out. Super, super weird. Don't pursue him. I won't have it. I'll stop you. Yeah, that's what we call a red flag. <laughs> Yikes. After a confer with Starfleet Command, it's decided that the Enterprise will take Alcar to the planet for the peace talks. Alcar is all the things you'd want in a mediator. He's calm, cool, collected. <laughs> hey, quick story. When I was in, I think, third grade, we had a new principal at my school. The previous one was a young guy, kind of fun, I guess. I mean, I was like seven or something, so I don't really remember him. But this new guy, he wasn't really that fun. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this was his last stint before retirement. I mean, I'm sure he was fine. You know, I don't have any bad memories of him or anything like that. But he was just, I don't know, pretty stodgy, pretty pretty formal guy, especially, especially for a grade school in suburban Oregon. Well, back in the day, we started each morning with announcements over the intercom. Good morning, boys and girls. And he read them. He ended every set of announcements with, and have a calm, cool, and collected day. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> 
full disclosure, I mean, I was still trying to nail getting my shoes tied at this point. So I, I guess I just wasn't really into vocabulary like this. I mean, I get it. I get it now. And honestly, what a perfect little prayer to start every day with, not to mention a day at an elementary school. Still, I said that earlier. It totally took me back to third grade. All right, here we go. We'll get back to the episode. And here it is. It's Klingon Tai Chi. Worf is teaching a class of a bunch of random crew and Deanna Troy. Alcar is also there, and he and Troy are really hitting it off. She knows what a tough job he's got in front of him. You're going to need all your patience in Saronia. We learn that his race is empathic. They can feel other people's feelings, but only within their own species. Troy, as a Betazoid, is empathic with most everyone, but his race is limited. He talks about just how invaluable she must be in negotiations with that skill and asks her to join him. Would you come with me when we reach Saronia? She agrees, pending the okay from the captain. Riker and Troy are called to Alcar's quarters. His mother has died. Troy, Troy shows a lot of really great compassion here. Alcar, is there anything I can do? She agrees to participate in a funeral meditation with him. They do some chanting. And then touch some sparkly rocks together. Immediately, Troy can feel that something isn't right. Something has definitely changed. We start seeing some severe behavior, even appearance changes in Troy. She's dressing a lot more provocatively and is kind of aging. She even she even becomes aggress- aggressively aggressively sexual with Alcar, who just outright refuses her. But our relationship can't be like that. And she is furious about that. Dr. Crusher is trying to figure out why Alcar's mom died, but can't find anything other than an abnormal amount of neurotransmitters in her brain. She wants to do an autopsy, but Alcar has adamantly said no. It's forbidden by his culture's customs, and Picard tells her they need to respect that. And Crusher understands. Troy's behavior just continues to decline. Riker tries to finish some work they'd started with her, and he walks in on just some some random ensign getting dressed in her quarters. As he leaves, Troy ominously says, If there's anything else I need, I know where to find you. Wow. Yeah, she must have studied at the Weinstein Institute of Relationships. Yikes. Well, they arrive at the planet. Alcar's team joins him, and they say that hostilities are really ramping up. Picard dives in, does what he does best, and he's going to help with their strategic planning. They end up agreeing on an approach that will continue the talks, but, but things are rough down there. Thousands of people are dying every day. We get a rare scene of Troy actually doing her job as the crew's counselor. She's in a session with Ensign Janeway. Thank you very much, Sigmund Freud. Hmm? Nah, just got a minor Oedipal complex. This is so bad and so wildly inappropriate what she does here, but (laughs) I'd be lying if I said I didn't actually laugh out loud when she dropped this. Well, maybe he's just tired of hearing you complain. I know I'm certainly tired of it. Wow, I mean, yeah, like, she's not totally wrong, but but she's a therapist. This is totally not okay, but... But it's such a perfect scene that shows the change happening in Counselor Troy. 
Her decline just keeps going, keeps continuing. She pulls a near assault on Riker and has a very public freakout on Alcar and 10 forward. Alcar and his team, they're preparing to head back to the planet to kick off the talks. He tries to say goodbye to Troy, and when he does, wow, she looks like she's in her 60s at this point, and she is not happy at all. You said you'd take me with you. He says that's just not going to be possible in her current condition, but he emphasizes that she's helping him already. I need you more than you can possibly realize. Do you understand? Dr. Crusher ends up getting Troy to sickbay. Nurse Ogawa sees that her neurotransmitters match what happened to Alcar's mom. Based on this and the apparent danger to Troy, Picard okays Crusher to autopsy the mom. And wow, does she learn some stuff. Not only was she only about 30 years old, despite appearing to be in her 90s, but... But she was definitely not his mother. You are not... His mother. Picard immediately heads down to the planet to confront Alcar. Still, he's so calm, cool, and collected. He just explains straight up, here's what's going on. I had the ability to channel my darker thoughts, my unwanted emotions to others, leaving me unencumbered. And he makes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few argument. But Picard pushes back. He calls this a wantonly immoral act. He calls Alcar a coward for taking the easy way out. Alcar's team stands up. They remove Alcar away. And then Picard has no choice but to return to the ship. They come up with a plan to help free Troy, even without Alcar's help. And Deanna has to die. Crusher thinks they can make Deanna die. She's confident that she'll be able to revive her within 30 minutes and that that'll break the link they share. They'll just need to intercede and stop Alcar from using a member of his team as a new receptacle. Well, then on the planet, it's a huge success. Era of bloodshed and conflict appears to be over. But as they're congratulating each other, he collapses. He knows that something's wrong. He returns to the ship immediately comes to visit Troy in sickbay. Death occurred at 14.30 hours from respiratory and renal failure. Alcar says that this was a tragic loss, but he says her death had a purpose, and Picard picks right up where he left off. I intend to make certain that you answer for what you have done. Alcar returns to his quarters and starts the funeral meditation with a member of his team. She's eager to help. I mean, Alcar's a hero, you know? They time it down to the very last second. Crusher revives Troy, and they beam his teammate away from him. All the psychic energy comes flooding back to Alcar. He ages rapidly and is in a lot of pain. I mean, dude must have had a lot of unwanted and dark thoughts. Once the energies have all returned to him, he slumps on the floor, dead. I'm not sure this is what Picard had in mind, but, well, here we are. Troy ages and returns to normal. She was aware of what was happening to her the whole time, but she couldn't stop it. She says, It's as though I'm looking at a holodeck projection of someone else. And then she thanks Riker for standing by her through it all. When this episode came up, I was hoping it'd be a part of the Worf does Tai Chi, but calls it some Klingon thing arc that I've made up in, in, in my own head. And I was right. But that's not the only cool thing about this episode. With a topic that could have been super problematic, we end up with a fun but serious episode that very much highlights the gift 
that is Marina Sirtis. Come to Gorks, Gorks is fun. Come right now. Go Gorks, run! There are a lot of really great Star Trek podcasts out there. My favorites are the ones that use Star Trek as a lens into something else. You know, like leadership. Well, I want to share a great podcast that uses and watches Star Trek in a really unique way. Hosted by Kevin C. Neese, the author of The Gospel According to Star Trek, the original crew, Mike Poteet, David Atwell, and Tim Van Orden, The Gospel According to Star Trek podcast is a twice-weekly show that explores Star Trek new and old from a Christian worldview perspective seeking to reveal the sacred in the human adventure. Episodes start with a review of the Star Trek they're going to be discussing. And then they explore really great topics like diversity, mental health, theology, and philosophy. They've had fantastic guests like the production team from Woman in Motion, Star Trek Sue from Women at Warp, and author and activist Blair Imani. Kevin and crew are currently celebrating the 35th anniversary of The Next Generation and reviewing the latest episodes of Picard and Strange New Worlds. You can find the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast anywhere you get your podcasts or at anchor.fm forward slash G-A-T-S-T. That's the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast. I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is With Nothing to Say. And let's talk about movies. With over 3,000 films log, Andrew and I, best friends since middle school, have dedicated our lives to watching, making, and talking about movies. Each week, Andrew and I handpick a movie he's seen, I've seen, or neither of us have seen, and dive deep into anything and everything to wannabe cinephils could ever think of. From horror to dramedy, we do it all. So join us as we talk about everything movies, and maybe you too can become a bona fide cinephile. Has this ever happened to you while you were watching Star Trek? Aaron, honey, pause, pause, pause. Why did Nog just say their first set of ears? I mean, it's weird that he didn't call them lobes. Okay, but first set? Do Ferengi lobes fall off and they grow new ones? Or are they supposed to grow in layers? I don't know. I've never heard anything about it. Ha ha ha. Wait, why do you think their ears would fall off? Is there some kind of animal that really does that? Listen to me, biologist and frequent episode pauser Kelly Voss. And me, lifelong Star Trek fan and engineer Aaron Strom. As we share the conversations we were already having at our house anyway. The Spinal Frontier comes out on your favorite podcatcher every second and fourth Monday. You can follow us at Spinal Frontier on Twitter and Spinal Frontier Pod on Instagram for updates. Okay, honey, you can press play. Parenting can be tough, and so is being a teen. But sharing stories, even the tough ones, are how we come together and strengthen our village. Connect with your teen through these stories. Welcome to Hey, What Did I Miss? Be sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. If you were just reading this episode on the page or, oh, I don't know, listening to a recap on a podcast, it's honestly not that great. Like, it's a cool idea, a cool concept, just, just not written really well. But I feel there are three things that save this and actually make it a really enjoyable episode. There's Picard being his best self. He's sticking to the rules and he's railing against immorality. So good. Then there's the perfect relationship between Troy and Riker. And finally, 
probably the biggest contributor is Marina Sirtis. She's so good. Through the run of TNG, she does not get a lot to do. But every time she does get something, she's incredible. The Romulans use an artificial quantum singularity as their power source. I will never forget that line. It's in there, even with the menopause, it's in there for all eternity. And this episode was no different. Will Riker and Deanna Troy's relationship goes back to the very first. It goes back to before the very first episode of The Next Generation. And this second episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. They call each other Imzadi, which is Betazoid for Beloved. But I think deeper than that. And we see this play out a bunch of times in the series. What's so cool about their relationship is like they just want the other to be happy. They really, truly want the best for each other. We saw this back when we watched The Price. You know, the one with Lloyd Braun. Serenity now, insanity later. And we see it here too. Troy has just, uh, well, finished with a young ensign and is trying to get a rise of jealousy out of Riker, but, but he's so cool with it. Deanna, I'm sorry I intruded. I mean, we should all dream of having the kind of relationship these two have. It's so, it's so great. Marina Sirtis really, really got to stretch beyond her character in this episode. It looks like she was having fun with it and really feeling this, this insecure but, but sexually powerful person. They had a lot of different costumes for her and the wigs did a lot to help tell the story too. But the unsung hero in her performance has to be the makeup. Star Trek does not do a really great job olding people up. This was really good. You're old. She was able to act through the makeup, and it wasn't it wasn't distracting like when McCoy visited the ship in Encounter at Farpoint. There's two super fun scenes in this one. First, <laughs> what is easily one of the greatest lines in all of Star Trek. Have you mated with him yet? Now I don't know if she said mated or made it, but <laughs> either way. This is great. Alcar's fake mom was living just this horrible, jealous life. But this gem, eh, I don't know, kind of makes it all okay for me. <laughs> and do we have a canonical connection to Voyager in this episode? Counseling session with Ensign Janeway. I mean, we see it's not Catherine Janeway, but is she maybe related? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pretend that she is. Why not? Can't help but feel bad for her, though. She was the victim in one of my rare spit-take moments in Star Trek. I couldn't believe that Troy said that stuff to her, but it was the absolute perfect scene to show just how much she'd changed. If you haven't watched this one in a while, or, or even at all, I think you should. If you let it be just what it is, you don't focus too much on, like, you know, the writing, it's a really fun, it's a great watch. Command codes verified. Standing up for your team. It's what any manager should do, period. Picard does exactly that in this episode, and I'm going to talk about how you can do the same thing. And in a passing bit of dialogue, Commander William T. Riker reveals the secret to accomplishing, well, anything that you want to. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support this podcast. Alcar is a cheater. He's a coward. 
He's taking the easy way out and literally leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. We all have distracting thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We all struggle with focusing on the task at hand sometimes, but he refuses to deal with those. He refuses to even have them. He chooses to use people so he can dump all of those thoughts onto them, leaving him, well, here we go again, calm, cool, and collected so he can be a legendary peace mediator. Now, we don't know how long this has been going on. Based on how old he gets at the end, though, when he dies, I got to imagine it's been a really long time. But someone finally stands up to him. Someone who doesn't believe the ends justify the means. Someone who values every single life. Yep. Alcar encounters Jean-Luc Picard. Picard confronts him on the planet's surface and he does not back down. He sees Alcar's actions for the crimes they are and is going to see him held accountable for them. I'm willing to risk my life simply to help others. Do you think that makes you appear courageous? Because you're mistaken. You're a coward, Alcar. You exploit the innocent because you are unwilling to shoulder the burdens of unpleasant emotions. Well, this time you will be held accountable. But I believe his passion in this moment comes not just from his ideals, but from the fact that it's a member of his crew, his team, that's being threatened. In the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode on Deep Space Nine Inquisition, I challenged you to Cisco up when it came to the members of your team. That's where you stand up for them, no matter what. And Picard absolutely Cisco's up here. But how easy would it be to just agree with Alcar? I mean, I mean, he's so calm here. It's almost infectious. And, and the thing is, like, he's not necessarily wrong either. Ask the Saronian and Ricard children to go to bed each night in fear of their lives. That is totally understandable. His explanation would convince, I think, most people that what he was doing was okay. It's convincing him that it's okay, but not Picard. Picard demands that people be the best they can be. And if Alcar were his best, he could be an incredible mediator, even with his unwanted thoughts. But what does this mean to you? What difference can it possibly make when you stand up for a member of your team, on honestly, like seriously, it makes all the difference in the world. I used to have a small team of attorneys that I worked with. They handled so very much paperwork and all of it was really critical. You see, in most of the civilized world, people have these things called rights. And even things that seem mundane, like handling paperwork, can have a direct impact on those rights. So this team had a vitally important task in front of them every single day. But their work also had what I call convenience impacts. They may not seem like a big deal. They're not necessarily violating your rights, but they sure seem like a big deal when you're the one having them. <laughs> if you're starting a business, for example, and you have to get some paperwork in front of a judge for their signature, so I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You don't want to wait any longer than you have to, right? I mean, it's really, it's really inconvenient to have to wait. Sometimes, though, 
It can be more than just inconvenient. You may have investors that are waiting on something or you need to start a lease. You have some sort of financial output that you need to make that's waiting on all this. Now, I bring this up because one of the attorneys I worked with, well, well, they screwed up. They misfiled a thing that delayed some paperwork by almost six months. And that ended up costing our customer one of their key investors. Not good. Needless to say, <laughs> this guy was over the moon mad. He wanted blood and he wanted it to be that person's. I spent a long time listening to him, apologizing, you know, eating the obligatory humble pie that often comes with customer service. But nothing I could offer was good enough. He wanted this person fired and he even filed. I, I don't remember if he actually filed or just threatened to file, but he tried to file at least a civil lawsuit against them. Now, I could have taken the easy route and totally fired the attorney. I mean, just kick off a process with HR. Aaron, HR is a joke. I can't do anything about anything. Provide some justification and boom, they're gone. And the customer thinks they're happy. But I didn't do that. I didn't do it. First of all, because I'm not a huge jerk that just bends to the will of my every customer. And secondly, because this attorney was a member of my team and someone I wasn't only committed to standing up for, but I'm committed to Cisco-ing up for. And I Cisco'd up. I told the customer I would not be firing this person. I was still apologetic. I totally owned the mistake. And to be, to be very clear, I owned the mistake. I didn't put it on my teammate. I'm sorry, sir, that I allowed this to happen. I mean, I, this has to be terrible. I can assure you that we're taking every possible precaution that this won't happen again. You know, some of those precautions include blah, blah, blah. You know, it's stuff like that. I never so much as mentioned the person who actually made the mistake. As the leader, as the person who decided to Cisco up, this is on me, at least, at least to the customer. The other side to the story, the one the customer never saw and never knew happened, is that I met with that person and I told them exactly what had happened and how I stepped up for them. They made a real mistake and it had a real impact. They weren't going to just watch that pass by with no impact. I told them face to face that I stood up for them and that I would continue to stand up for them, but they could never put me in that position again. Two cool things came out of this story. First, the attorney that messed up, after I told them that I would not be okay being put in that position again, not only came up with an idea, a process change, that would all but eliminate the chances of missed filings, but they even did the work to implement that change. They 100% owned the solution. But secondly, we kept the customer. They were mad, understandably mad. But really, they just needed to be heard and treated with respect. I did both of those things, but I was sure that they'd leave us. But they didn't. I didn't work there for very long after this incident. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just a few more months, actually. So I don't know what it was that encouraged them to stay. But I like to think that they respected me. They respected us for not treating our employees like, like human garbage, like like receptacles, but still committing to make things right. When the attorney had the idea to change processes to help be sure this didn't happen again, they spent a chunk of time researching options and ideas. They came close to the ever-present danger 
of paralysis by analysis. But they used a secret tool that Riker actually demonstrates in this episode that all but guaranteed they'd accomplish their goal. Like how often do you have a cool idea or dream up something you want to do? Maybe it's changing a process at work, like my buddy. Maybe, maybe it's exercising more. Maybe it's starting a podcast. There's so much to do, though, before you can actually do any of these things, right? I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Like, what exercises are you going to actually do? How many days a week are you going to work out? What Mic, are you going to use on your podcast? And where where are you going to host it? I mean, you really need to do a lot to prepare, right? I mean, do you really? In this episode, before Troy slips to the dark side, she and Riker have a big, boring job in front of them. And she doesn't want to do it. But listen to how Riker responds. Does it have to be today? It's not going to be any easier tomorrow. It won't be any easier tomorrow. Riker's ultimate advice here and the secret to accomplishing what you want to is, now are you ready for this? I mean, you really should write this down. I mean, it's super complex. If you're driving while you're listening to this, note the time code. Here, I'll I'll give you a second. There you go. Note that time code. So you can come back and break down this overwhelmingly difficult, complex concept. Okay, you ready? All right, here it is. Just start doing it. That's it. Start. You want to do a podcast? Just start doing a podcast. This was me. I've shared the story a number of times about why I started the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Right? I was in a terrible meeting, and finally I reached my breaking point. I said, I want meetings like Captain Kirk has meetings. Issue, discussion, decision, action. Then I went home. And I watched Star Trek because, well, because that's what I, what I do. And then boom, that's when the light came on. There is so much to learn from this incredible franchise. The part of the story I don't tell though, is that that meeting and that epiphany happened in 2017. I didn't release my first episode until three years later, three years. And why? Well, Well, yeah, I mean, I had a lot to do, you know? I mean, I listened to a lot of podcasts to see what I liked, what I didn't. I learned about microphones and DAWs. I I researched different hosting options. I mean, there was a lot of work to do, and I did all the work. And then finally, one of my friends asked me how my podcast was going, and I hadn't even hit record yet. And he asked me that question in 2019, two years, <laughs> two years after I told him about the idea. And here's the thing. Those first episodes I released, wow, so much different from the ones today. I mean, there's still a ton of great stuff in there, but my show structure is off. The The tone is inconsistent and the sound quality, well, it's not too bad, but, but it's not what it is today. But if you listen to this episode right here, right now, and then go back Download and listen to the Voyager Caretaker episode. (laughs) Wow. Night and day. But that's all good, right? Here we are, 50 plus episodes into this. There are thousands of people that listen to the podcast. It's won awards, and I have so much fun doing it. And all I really had to do was start. So, So what are you waiting on? What is causing your 
paralysis by analysis? What big thing do you want to accomplish that you're going to start and you're going to start right now? Please, please tell me. I'm dying to hear about it from you. I mean, who knows? The next great TV series or novel or piece of music could be listening to these words right now. But we'll never know unless you start. I'm serious. I want to hear what you're going to start. Maybe you can even meet your accountability buddy. You can share it in our discussion group that's linked in the show notes, or you can share it on social media at SFLA podcast on Twitter and at Jeff T. Aiken on Instagram and LinkedIn. That's Jeff T as in Tai Chi, Wharf style, A-K-I-N. I want to give a shout out to JT who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. JT says, Jeff Aiken makes leadership a blast. I love how he uses Star Trek to teach really complex stuff. He's totally changed how I watch Star Trek and is an important part of my growth as a leader. Thanks, JT. And remember, if you haven't rated and reviewed the Starfleet Leadership Academy yet, do it. On whatever podcatcher you're on, go in, hit those stars, leave a review, take a screenshot, and send that to me on social media, and I will be more than happy to give you a shout-out right here on the podcast. Now, computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. Episode 25 of Enterprise's first season, Two Days and Two Nights. It's a shore leave episode that takes the crew to Ryza. I think I think this is going to be our first visit to Ryza, which is a great setting for a bunch of really super different stories. And yeah, I'm, I'm only being a little bit sarcastic when I say that. Still, if the crew's going to have a good time, so are we. And until then, ex astra scientia. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.